We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everyone. Before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know how to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you could get all this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into this program is limited. So get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you on a Wednesday. Um, And for this episode, uh, I had the pleasure of speaking with someone in the Blue Wire podcast family. He's host of King's Pulse, and uh, he writes for the King's Herald. Does a really, really great job covering the Sacramento Kings. Brendan Nunez. Um, And the reason, of course, that we are having Brendan Nunez on this episode is because the Knicks play the Kings later in the week. So we talked about uh, a lot of stuff that I I think you'll find interesting. Um, Two teams, similar situations. Um, Their season has kind of gone sideways. I was very curious to hear his opinion of how 
he is approaching a season now that started with low expectations. Things got pretty good. Now things are bad again. And, um, you know, where here in New York, we're always kind of, I feel like having the, the to tank or not to tank debate and what's the value of wins if you're not getting a, or if you're still missing that like premium piece. Um, so it was just really interested to hear his perspective on all that from, from, you know, watching another team. Um, and also we got into like some Halliburton stuff. We got into some trade stuff. Uh, we had a lot of fun. It was a really great conversation that went on a lot longer than we had planned because we were just kind of having a good time. Um, so Brendan Nunez coming up. Uh, so quick public service announcement. Uh, I am actually, we, we recorded that conversation a couple days ago. Uh, I am recording this introduction at five 30 on um, Tuesday night, which notably is before the Knicks play the Warriors and before we find out if Julius Randle has been named an NBA All-Star or not. Uh, if you would like to hear my reaction to both of those things, um, go check out your podcast stream. You will find my um, my live reaction. Actually, I'm going to sit down and watch at 7 o'clock, um, or I will have sat down by the time you listen to this and watched at seven o'clock on Tuesday night, um, the all-star reserves reveal. Uh, so you'll be able to hear my reaction to that. So check that out. And then also obviously the live stream that I do after every game, um, will be on your podcast feed as well. Or you can check out those things on the Knicks film school, YouTube channel. Um, feel free to subscribe to that. If you are not already, um, one other thing, one other thing, that I, I feel the need, the need for speed. Uh, no, I feel the need to address because there was a, uh, well, there was a report today that came out. Uh, I believe there was actually a couple reports. There was a Bleacher Report uh, report, as it were, that came out. And then an Ian Begley story. Of course, Ian's the best. Uh, and if anything comes out of his mouth or from his, from his laptop, uh, it's, you know, it's true. And both of these uh, indicated that our friends, our good friends, the Dallas Mavericks, have perhaps begun to gauge the trade interest in one of their players, specifically Mr. Kristaps Porzingis. Well, well, well. Isn't that interesting? Um, a lot of Nick fans, a lot of Nick fans came out today or Tuesday to gloat. Uh, by the way, uh, nothing is going to happen tonight. That'll change what I'm about to say. It's not like KP is going to go off for, for 50 tonight because he's not playing. Um, cause he's out, they're keeping him out. Um, so there's a shocker, something you never heard before. Anyway, a lot of Nick fans came out and, and gloated, um, in reaction to this news and, you know, I don't always, I, I'm not always down with the gloating, um, mostly because, you know, we've been, A, we've been bad for a long time, and um, anything that has ever happened to us that has been good is often followed by something that, that is bad. And uh, I'm still... I'm still getting used to this new regime and this new coaching staff and this kind of new way of doing business in Madison Square Garden. Um, I think they have things figured out. So it makes me a little bit more comfortable about the gloating. But the reason I'm really comfortable about the gloating is because of the overwhelming reaction 
that came out after that trade was made. And every Nick fan, when the trade was made, obviously, look, you don't have to, maybe some of you were like, oh, fantastic move. Great job. Most people were like, oh, wow, that's, that's bold. Um, and I think most, the, the even keeled media people that are out there were like, okay, Nick's took a chance, but you get it. Um, it's a big risk. Um, but there's also question marks associated with this player. And then there were that batch of media people who could not wait to whip it out and just piss all over New York's grave. And boy, did they revel in that because there is a certain type of revel revelry that goes on when certain media people get a chance to just lay a big one all over this franchise. It's and, and, that's why, like, when we hear people like, oh, no, we just, you know, we just root for stories. We don't root for teams. No, you may not root for teams, but you certainly root against teams. Um, and again, people had a lot of fun with that. So because certain people, certain people in the media just went to town on that trade, um, it is absolutely 110 percent OK for any Nick fan who wants to get up and be like, ha. Now he's your problem um, and do it, you know, and shout that from the rooftops. Um, it's fine. Do I think that this is, you know, are they actually going to trade him? I don't know. One, because I don't think he's that easy to trade. Um, and two, because if he comes back, you know, from in and plays eventually again, you know, he's still a talented player. And, and I text this with my brother a lot. I text this with, um, with the Asher Bernard a lot, like it's a bad, it's a bad contract. He's an injury prone player. He's an imperfect player. But if in, if they keep him for the whole time, all it's going to take is him staying healthy and putting it together for one playoff run, one playoff run. Will he ever be able to do that? Will he ever be able to survive a seven game series? I don't know. Probably not. Um, but if he does and he does very little else the rest of the time that he's here, you know, it's like Cespedes, right, with the Mets. Um, he, he gave you that one great run. Um, if he gives them one great run and it results in a championship, no one's going to care about what they gave up to get him, and no one's going to care about the fact that they're now maybe looking to get out of this deal. Um, that said, it's impossible now to look at this and say anything other than the Knicks won this trade. And I don't like to make it about that. I've never wanted to make it about that because for me, this has always been a, a discussion about process and a discussion about how you go about your business. And I still don't think the Knicks went about their business the right way in doing this because I, I'll go to my grave saying this. I think they could have gotten a better deal. Um, and I think they, if they had went about the process a little bit differently and more diligently, maybe more patiently. Um, and I understand you know, it didn't get out and they avoided the whole complicating factor of his list of trade demand teams to like become public and whatnot. I'm less inclined to be favorable to those arguments simply because we have seen GMs, good GMs navigate choppy waters um, in this league when their stars make demands and still extract maximum value for the pieces that they're trying to move. Um, and I, I don't, anybody who says that they think Scott Perry and Steve Mills extracted maximum value for Christoph Porzingis is lying. I don't think they did. Um, 
and I get more into this in, in today's uh, Nick's Film School newsletter. Feel free to check that out. But, you know, in short, if you're going to trade a guy and you're going to trade a guy for um, a first round pick or one first round pick that's unprotected, ideally you want to trade him to a franchise that doesn't have a guy like Luka Doncic propping it up. Um, but whatever, that ship sailed. I think at the very least, if you're a Nick fan, you could now look at this and be like, they did the right thing by getting rid of the guy. They did the right thing by getting rid of the guy when they did, which is to say before the trade deadline, because I think the other part of this is if they had waited and I've said in the past, I thought they should have waited and, and dealt with it in the summer. If they didn't get a deal that they liked, I, I think I was wrong to say that um, because one um, I'm, I'm not sure the way that summer went down if there would have been that much better of a deal, I do think there was a better deal out there because they prioritize cap space. And that's always been my issue. It's like, why would you prioritize cap space when you didn't need to prioritize cap space at that time? You did need to trade him probably at that time. You did not need to prioritize um, offloading bad money at that time. That was their mistake. And I think that was where the the error in process was made. Um, but they did the right thing by trading him before the deadline. Um, and the, the biggest reason for that was because if they did not do that and they let the situation linger into the summer, someone else would have scooped up Julius Randle. Now, was it luck that we got Julius Randle? Is it luck that Julius Randle's turning into what he's turning into now? Again, I don't really care as much because the fact is he's here. He wouldn't be here if Porzingis was still here, if Porzingis had stayed until the summer. Um, and he's doing what he's doing. And I... For, for, for the present day, for me to sit here and analyze the trade in terms of the lasting effects that it still has, I'm less concerned about the process in that sense because the guys that made the trade are gone in, in terms of Steve Mills. I know Scott Perry is still here, but he's surrounded by a whole host of characters that are um, perhaps making up for um, – you know, some of the areas that he wasn't strongest in when, when he was doing this with Mills, I think, I think Perry's a, is okay GM, but I think he needs the support system around him as opposed to a guy like Steve Mills who did not have the wherewithal to run an NBA team. Um, I'm getting off track. Look, this is a great, wonderful day. It really is. Um, let them try to trade him. I'm curious to see what they can get. I don't think they're going to get much. I think they're going to have to take back some, um, less than desirable money um, to move his contract. Um, if they get a first round pick for him, it'll probably be, I would guess it's going to be protected. Um, and again, I, I think you're going to have to take back some salary. That's not a salary you really want to take back. Um, you know, and it's going to be fun watching them try to navigate this. Um, I do not think this portends the downfall of the Dallas Mavericks organization. I still think they're going to end up with whether it's, seven seed, eight seed, um, you know, and, and the pick is only going to have, you know, I, right now, if, if the season ended today, we, there would be a two and a half percent chance that that pick ends up in the top four. So, you know, not to say something else couldn't happen, not to say Luka Doncic couldn't twist his ankle tomorrow and be out for a month and a half. And, and then we're having a different conversation, but um, good on Steve Mills. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good on Scott Perry. You got him out of here. You got what you could. Was it as much as you could get? Probably not. But you did the right thing. Um, and so for for any Nick fan who has ever said anything bad about you or to you, um, you know, I think uh, you are owed an apology. And um, to every uh, to every media person who couldn't wait to get to their typewriters to bang out that that post-trade analysis column. Well, hope you're hope you save those word documents somewhere um, for posterity's sake. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, this is the first time he has been on this podcast, although I, I have had the pleasure of uh, being a guest on his pod. I think tw- once I was with you recently, but then I think I did a podcast guest, uh, guest spot a few months before that. I don't know. Time is a flat circle. It runs together. Um, he is a host of the of King's Pulse uh, podcast on Blue Wire Pod Network. Shout out Blue Wire. And also he writes for the King's Herald. Um all things Sacramento Kings, best coverage there is. Brandon Nunez, how are you doing, my man? I am doing good, John. Uh, my, my co-host and I say we have found a zen with this season. It's seven losses in a row, but you just focus on player development. Um, and there's been some bright spots. So we'll go with zen amid a seven-loss streak right here. Um, I So I just checked before, as I remember to turn my light on, um, I just checked before we came on because I, um, as we were talking about other things that we do, I write a betting column on the side and uh, I wrote one for whatever it was a few days ago. And I'm like, the Kings are coming into this one having lost six in a row. And I typed whatever I typed. And I'm like, did they end up losing that seventh straight? And then I just went and looked. I'm like, man. If I was Brennan, I would have told me to F off. Like, I don't feel like talking about my team right now. We've lost seven in a row. So thank you for coming on no problem. despite this. I, I don't know how great my analysis is going to be because, you know, same as you, I was like, wow, they've lost six in a row and now they got a back-to-back against Milwaukee. I don't know how much I'm going to watch this game, to be honest. <laughs> um, no, but you, you know this team as well as anyone, which is why I wanted to bring you on because um, the Knicks do, in fact, um, play the Kings in uh, a short amount of time as I'm pulling up the schedule to know exactly when. Yes, they play the Kings on Thursday. So uh, fans are back in MSG for the first time against uh, Golden State. Um, or actually that game will have happened by the time this pod drops. Um, so yeah, Thursday night. And for a very, 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 very long time, the Knicks were a get well team for teams who needed to get well. And I think they still might be a get well team. I don't know if you paid attention to our last few. We had uh, not the greatest of showing against the Magic. You were the get well team for the Kings earlier this year, by the way. 
You started a seven out of eight game win streak. I was about to say, and that's when you guys ended up a game over 500, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then seven in a row since. Man, there's a part of me that was like, well, I hope for your sake, you know, the same thing happens, but that would be a lie because I don't hope the same thing happens. (laughs) I don't mind. Like I said, I have a Zen with this season right now. I think Halliburton Fox, there's been Bagley production um, recently, which is new. And I think they need one more guy. And the only way you get that is the draft. So I don't mind. So let's start there. I was going to start someplace else, but you you led me right to it. Um, I think if the Knicks, let's say, perhaps starting with the Golden State game, or maybe starting with you, lost four or five, six in a row, I think a lot of fans would be disappointed, but I think they would pretty quickly talk themselves into, oh, yeah, we got Julius Randle, we got R.J. Barrett, we got Mitchell Robinson, we got Emmanuel Quickly. Um, we need one more guy. Perfect opportunity. Was was it tough for you to make the transition this season from like, hey, we're a game over 500, we're kind of spunky, to now where, where the season looks like it's headed? Not really, because I kind of thought the win streak was fool's gold. Going into the year, I had the Kings as the – 13th team in the Western Conference. Um, So I wasn't too optimistic going in, but then I think the last two games of that, um, actually they even had a loss to Philly where I was like, okay, maybe this team actually is decent. I watched that game. They were winning in the the beginning of the fourth quarter. Yeah, against a, I believe, healthy Philly team. Um, And yeah, a lot of it had to do with De'Aaron Fox playing out of his mind, Um, but you know, turns out it was most players really playing at their peak. Um, five of those eight games in that run, they played a team that was missing a starter. Um, and now they've suffered a little bit of some minor health issues, but they were one of the more healthy teams for a good while of the beginning of the year. And, uh, you know, things are going to come up and it's just kind of exposing their lack of depth. So personally, it wasn't too hard of a transition for me. It was actually more difficult when they were winning games when really? I was like so focused on um, I got really into the draft last year and I thought this was the year, okay, they have to get a top pick. This is the last year where I felt like, you know, you reasonably can be not chasing the playoffs with Fox just going to be about starting his max next year. Um, Halliburton's on his rookie year. So you obviously have time with him. Um, I felt like this was the year where you still could get one more, you know, top five, top seven sort of pick and then have a trio moving forward. I like in my mind going into this year, it was like, okay, one more year, and then you are set for the future with a promising trio. Um, but it needs to be a good pick. So I was actually almost a little worried because I didn't think that the team was ever going to be like playoff team. Um, to me, like the ceiling of the team, even when they were on that streak, is getting swept in the first round. Um, and yeah, while, while some fans might enjoy that, you know, I mean, it's a 13-year playoff drought, so I get it. Um, but I, I definitely am trying to look towards more long-term future of the team. Um, and yeah, another pick in, you know, the early teens, I, I thought would kind of be a little difficult for me. Um, this is, I, this, I, I, I want to focus on this for a bit because like in New York, we've been having these very conversations and I think we've, we've moved away from them recently as it felt somewhere in the last two weeks that, something about the season here became a little bit more legitimized, but I think for the first solid, I want to say first, maybe six weeks or so, there was a lot of like, 
well, who cares that Reggie Bullock and Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel are helping? Like, that doesn't matter. That's not helping us in the long term. And now it's more like, wait a minute, they really seems to have righted the ship. Do, do you think that you would feel the same way if you were, and this is not any offense against Sacramento, um, which, oh, that's what I was going to ask you. Is Pizza Rock still there? Pizza Rocks. No, I haven't heard of this. And I only moved to Sacramento area like a year and a half. Oh, so I'm behind. I, but the, I was, the pizza place so, here is Pizza Guys. Pizza Guys. Okay. Um, yeah. I was only in Sacramento once. and I went to Pizza Rock. It was very good. Anyway, so I don't it mean this to, to disparage Sacramento because I had a great time the, the two nights that I spent there in my life. But it's not traditionally thought of as a major market, whereas New York is. Do you think you would be more inclined to be okay with like, okay, we're going to be a seventh or eighth team. We're probably going to get wiped in the first round, but we're in a, a bigger market. Or, or do you think your your viewpoint is more specific to the fact that it's Sacramento, free agents don't traditionally sign here. We need to build through the draft. Yeah, I think 100% that's the case. Like, I think if it was a New York type situation um, that, yeah, like for Sacramento, to me, the only way you're getting a star, like I think, you know, I mean, the goal for any team should be an eventual championship. Um, you know, a Western Conference championship, and then you kind of dice roll your way. Maybe you end up with something. Um, and I think the only way that happens is you need another player the caliber of De'Aaron Fox, um, sure. ideally better than De'Aaron Fox. Um, even though I absolutely love Fox and what he's been doing, I think the only way the Sacramento gets that is through the draft. Um, yeah, and I think that once you have that core in place and, you know, you work your way to a six seed, five seed, and you clearly have more internal growth coming, then you're a little more appealing to free agents. But I don't think that you're ever going to get um, the guy that is going to get you to the point where you are appealing in free agency. That's interesting because you, that's so because I view De'Aaron Fox from afar as one of, I don't five, six guys that if I'm, I'm in my imagination, if I was an NBA player, I'd be like, I want to go play with that dude. Um, do, you, do you disagree or you just feel like they need more than just him? No, I, I think that that totally could be the case, but I think that, and the, the play that I saw from De'Aaron this year and the development in his shooting has definitely made me question, okay, maybe this guy could be a number one on our team, but I still think he probably needs like a one B um, and I love Halliburton, but I do think he's just an absolutely elite role player. Um, and yeah, I just don't think that you're attracting that guy to Sacramento in free agency. I think you can attract role players with that, but I don't know that I understand a star okay. looks in is like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go with De'Aaron Fox and, and change Sacramento. And there's, yeah, I mean, there's not much else of like a future right now. That that makes a lot more sense. Um, last thing on the draft, because again, you are in the place that I have been for so many years. Are you yet at the point where you're like, let's say you guys win this game against the Knicks. Is there going to be a part of you like, it's like, damn, it's another win. That's not helping me. Or are this you is just the only place I'll admit it, but yeah, <laughs> this is the only place I will admit it, but yes. Like I, I, I root for them in the games. Yeah, no, you know, I, of yeah. course I can't yeah. help myself. You can't root um, against the, you can't actively root against the Kings, right. but yeah. Okay. Yeah. There is a piece of mind when they lose. I'm like, this is all part of the bigger plan right here. <laughs> um, I'm just, so it's again, from my perspective, looking at you guys, I'm like, there's no way they're passing Detroit. There's no way they're passing Cleveland. Um, if you, I mean, if net ratings are your thing, I don't think there's any way that pa you're passing uh, Oklahoma City. 
Um, trying to think if there's somebody else that I'm forgetting. Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh God. Ooh, Minnesota's bad. When's the last yeah. time you guys played the Wolves? We have not this year, actually. Oh well, you're in for a treat. That's sorry. It's gonna be another win unless you yeah. guys don't show up because the wolves right. are bad. Um, the wolves and like we'll see what goes on in Washington. They've seen they've seemed to like turn the corner recently. So I don't I don't know. May I, I would you sign for like a the six worst record right now or are you do you like have lofty? Yeah, I probably would, but I, I think that's probably about their range. I think okay. you know six to five to eight somewhere in there. Um, okay. Because, yeah, I mean, I think there's a good chance that, you know, at least one of Barnes or Heald is, is shipped off. And if it's Barnes, um, that he is one of the least replaceable guys on the roster currently. Um, so that, that makes the team a lot worse. Like we've seen, you know, maybe there's an outside chance that they don't think they can re-sign Holmes this offseason and end up moving him. And, and we've seen recently no Holmes and Barnes, the kind of impact that has on the roster. So I think they're going to be sellers at the deadline, and that's also going to be a little bit of an impact. That's a great transition because I was just going to ask you, like, as we're talking, I'm like, I, I just don't see if they keep this team together, they're going to be able to bottom out to that level because I, I, for my two cents, was very impressed by the Kings when we played each other. And whenever I turn them on on League Pass, it's like there's, you know, there's moments where you could tell why they're a team that's that's where they are, but there's also some really great stuff going on. Um, do you – so you, you mentioned Barnes. You mentioned Heald. Um, and you mentioned Holmes. Those are the only guys. Would it would it shock you? I mean, they're obviously they're not moving Fox or Halliburton. The guy we haven't talked about yet is Bagley. Can you talk to me about Marvin Bagley a little bit? Where's Where's Mister Bagley at these days? It is so day to day with Marvin Bagley. Uh, Tim Maxwell just posted something on Twitter that I'll I'll read out right here. His first Please. seven games of this year, ten points and eight boards. The splits are thirty six, twenty seven, fifty eight. Not good. The next seven games, 16 points in seven and a half boards. The splits are 58, 42, 61. Promising. And then the game, eight, nine games after that, 10 points, seven boards, 47, 39, 13 splits. Still 30. What was that last number? 47, 39, and then 13. That's the free throw percentage right there. I don't know the sample. Um, but yeah. And then the most recent five games, He's been really promising, actually. Um, and there's been some injuries, but most recent five games, 18.6 points, eight boards, 52% from the field, 48% from three, 73% from the free throw line. So it's all over the place still. Okay. Um, um, and right now he's in a good streak. He's actually, I mean, he's playing the best basketball of his career right now, actually. I think he's uh-huh. very aggressive and uh, is more reactionary to defenses rather than going into you know, I, I think already having predetermined what his move is going to be. Um, so I think the game's kind of slowing down a little bit for him. And I know that after the first New York game, I was very vocally um, critical of his defense on Julius Randle. And we spoke and about that slack for it. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was I had to check with you. I was like, I'm not crazy here. Right. Bagley was no, pretty bad that game. You um, and since then, like even last night, he actually had some OK minutes against Giannis where it's like, but OK minutes are like, Wow, he didn't fall for that pump fake. I can't remember the last time I've seen him not fall Ooh, for a that, pump fake. That's Kevin Knox's music that I yeah. hear <laughs> in the background in New York. Except, except Knox has not had quite the offensive flashes that you're. I mean, he had some uh, great numbers from the corners this year, but like you're basically describing a souped-up version of our Kevin Knox. Right. Yeah. Um, so Bagley's in a little bit of a hot stretch right now, but I also don't think Bagley's ever winning you a game. Um, would you be shocked if they moved him? 
Um, I, I guess I wouldn't be shocked, but I don't really see too much of a point. I think his value isn't great right now. Okay. And I think he still could be something. Um, and since I'm more focused on the long term, and, you know, I, I get the impression that new GM Monty McNair is as well for, you know, not matching Bogdanovich. He's talked about um, sustained success for the team in, in an eventual championship. And I very much get the impression that he wants to get younger and focus on the future. And I think, you know, you can wait a little bit and see if Bagley does become something because this really kind of should be treated as his second year in the league after only playing 13 in his sophomore sure. season. Um, and I think that, yeah, I mean, if, if you were just judging off flashes, he was already a guy that in my mind was going to take three years to really be um, something, a positive contributor on a night in night out basis. So I think it's fine to still give Bagley a little bit of time. Um, last thing on Bagley before we move on, is he, is he, he's a four, right? I lean towards a five, like right now. He's, you? A four, okay. he's a four a lot. Um, and because he's really developed his three-point shot, specifically his corner three ball this year, um, it's been okay to play him alongside Holmes. Like, I guess sometimes you're even playing him alongside Whiteside, which Whiteside minutes are a whole different conversation. We don't need um, to talk about them. I won't, I won't make Yeah, him. that's, that's no. fine by me. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that Bagley is best at the five. Um, but it's definitely still still a debate that needs to be decided. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, it's not as uh, loud a debate here, but I'm already projecting that as Obi Toppin's eventual, like you're going to need to play him at the five if you want to get the most out of this guy. Um, so yeah, it's uh, if you're a tweener, that's what you're going to have to deal with. Um, you mentioned Buddy Hield. We've talked about Hield before, um, I think multiple times now. Uh, he's a, he's a name. He's still a name. Um, and yet, I went. What was I look? I think I put in what was my search parameters? Because I was looking up something about the Knicks, and it's like minimum ten shots a game, um, minimum of like certain games played, and then I just sorted by field goal percentage, not effective, just straight field goal percentage. And then I'm looking at the bottom of the list. It was like a hundred some guys, and Buddy Heald was like again, whatever the numbers I put in were, was like sixth or seventh or eighth from the bottom or something in field goal percentage. But then I looked at his threes. I'm like, he's still hitting like whatever, 36, 37% from three on good volume. Is he just not making any other shots? Like what's going on with Buddy Hill this year? Yeah, he doesn't take many others. Uh, you okay. know, he has 14 total field goal attempts and 10 of those are from beyond the arc. Um, so he's never been a guy like his handle, I guess, was attempting to get used a little bit more last year, but it's not at a point where he's breaking anybody down off the dribble. Um, you know, I think he can attack closeouts somewhat. I was about to say, what about closeouts in the pick and roll? Anything there? There's not much in a pick and roll because I think he is kind of a poor decision maker and is looking to, um, is kind of just looking to take a pull up jumper. And when you're okay. one dimensional like that, I think it's kind of easy to take that away from him. Um, and yeah, so like last year, his scoring numbers out of the pick and roll looked good, but that's, you know, one dribble off the screen and he's kind of pulling it right behind it. And okay. that's, that's fine. Um, but yeah, he, he's never been a good finisher around the rim. He struggles to get to the rim in the first place. Um, there used to be a little bit more of like a mid range game. That was kind of what would happen when he was attacking hard closeouts. Okay. Um, and, and there was a stretch throughout this year at the beginning where he really was going away from those. So um yeah, I mean, I think Buddy Heald is just 
it, the field goal percentage obviously isn't ideal, but I, I don't think he's ever like really excelled in that aspect either. Yeah, but this the way you explain it makes a lot more sense to me. Um, here, I just I because Nick fans inevitably when we're, when you think about trades, it's like oh, Buddy Hield's out there, like, you know, he's Feel free. He's in, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> Feel free. Yeah, you can. Yeah, let's make a deal right now. Is let's he it, John? Is he worth his contract in your mind? No. Okay. And I actually thought he was at the time. I like one of my worst takes was all those contracts happened, and I was like, worst contract, Jalen Brown. Best contract, Buddy Hield. I sound so stupid right now. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about bad con- bad takes? I'm sure there is some. Uh, my Andrew Claudio on this on this call producing this podcast can probably go f- dig up something of me saying like, hmm. I would need a little bit of a sweetener, but Julius Randle for Buddy Hield, give me a little something. Eh, we could, we could, um, yeah. That, I'm sure that got said somewhere along the line. Right. So what's happened since then is that like there hasn't been. I think there's been more pure shooters kind of emerge in the league. And like, I think of like a Duncan Robinson and Joe Harris, and these guys were kind of around, but then they've gotten placed uh, with their contractual value. And it's just like so much lower than healed. Um, well, Harris think- is 16 or 17. No, sorry. I misstated 17, 18, 16. He's yeah. in that range. Bertans is 16. Right. I imagine Trent is going to get around 15, 16 this summer. He right. a 20, an average of like 23. Right. Right. Um, but again, He's- like it's just a shooter to me. Like I, I okay. really kind of think buddy is, just just a shooter like i, I don't know and he has the defenses ways like, to go it's horrible it's, it's horrible. Uh, you, you went with you went straight to the horrible yeah you weren't no, even like trying to butt your yeah car. no like part of the reason that sacramento is so bad on defense and bagley's been better i guess is that they like roll out two of the worst defenders in the league and healed is one of them healed is, is a really bad defender he tries really hard like healed is a track star athlete he's never stops moving but he his rotations are if there's you know, rotating around the horn going on, the mistake usually starts with healed. That's interesting. Um, because one of the interesting parts about this next season, like early on, a lot of people were like, oh, Frank Nilakina. Frank Nilakina is definitely going to be part of Tibbs' rotation because he's a good defender. And what we've seen instead is Tibbs has figured out a way to take guys who have been like meh defenders to like slightly above meh defenders over the course of their career and turn them into a guys who can at least you know, I mean, they're third-ranked defense right now. So say what you want about whatever is going on. It is what it is. Um, and I just wonder, I, I think that is one of the areas this front office is is trying to look for um, uh, underva- uh, not undervalued, but like we'll take on that, your your crap, and, and see if we could turn it into, you know, something. Because he'll listen crap. He's, he's a great shooter. He's still a great shooter. So yeah, no, he can win you games with his with his shooting. Like he goes nuclear sometimes. Um, and part of it is, you know, I think Sacramento's a little bit on the other side of what you're talking about right now, where uh, last year, if a lot of the Walton criticism was directly focused around Buddy Heald, it was like, why is Buddy Heald the one initiating the offense so often? Um, and I guess somewhat there weren't other great options like this year. You, you have Halliburton to fill that role a little bit more. Um, that's why you've seen the ball out of Heald's hands um, as often this year. And that's been beneficial. But I don't think that uh, you know, this is my criticism of Walton because I guess he got some praise during this stretch as well is I can't point to a player that he's optimized 
I feel like, but I can point to situations where I feel like he's misused players. Um, and healed was prime example. Um, you, I hope I'm not getting this wrong. You guys are the team that hired what, what prominent coaches are an assistant in the off season. Thank you. And Rex okay. Kalamian. Is that watch on yet? Or is that, um, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Did I ask a bad question? No, you're fine. I don't really know. Like, I, I think that, um, going into this year again, like the idea was to down year. And I, I believe there's still have one more year of Jaeger. Um, this is only Walton's second of a four year deal. Okay. Um, so I didn't really see the harm in you know, biting the bullet on one more year and, you know, Walton probably actually helps you lose a few more games. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Again, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. The heel thing is interesting to me because it's, it's two more years left. Um, right. But, this, but descending, um, and, but like, again, you guys aren't in a position where you're like, want to attach an asset to get rid of buddy heel, right? That's why no, would yeah. you do that? Okay. Yeah. It's just, um, Barnes is interesting to me because Barnes is a good basketball player. And I think he's a good basketball player. My perception, again, I don't watch Harrison Barnes, uh, you know, one, one hundredth as much as you do, but my perception is like, he's a solid guy that just has a bad name. And I guess a little bit is that of that is the contract. Cause he's at what? 20, is he at 25? He has, if you include this year, three years, 60 remaining. Oh, that's right. He reached that was he the original was, He contract. was just uh, declining as well. That's right. Um, I where, think it's a fair deal. No, it's, I mean, look, look at all the extensions signed, um, the, the rookie extension signed right before the season. Like, you can't argue to me that you could pay a guy like, and I understand like those guys, there's some ceiling there and whatever, and Barnes kind of is what he is, but like, you know. He, he's he, if he's not a 20, if he's not worth 20 a year, he's so he's worth 15 a year, whatever, 16, 17. Um, do you guys, do you think you'll get something decent for him? I think that uh, I do. I, I think the Boston situation is really unique. That's what I was going to um, ask you. Yeah. That one, I, I've been screaming that one for a long time. Um, you know, Barnes is the same age as Buddy Heald, which is crazy. Um, That's he's, he's only 28 years old and he you know, feels like a, he's been in the league for yeah 15 years. There was a heel joke for a long time too, that he was like the oldest player ever because he came out of college uh, after four years. And, but yeah, Barnes is, you know, just kind of entering his prime. Um, and I, I think is playing one of the most valuable, if not the most valuable position in the league um, with that, you know, three, four, I, I think he's a switchable defender. He doesn't, make too many mistakes and I, I don't think he's elite in any area at all I think he's just very solid in, in his entire game and I also can't really point to a glaring weakness in his game um, and I, I think that's really valuable for someone his size um, he's just really able to take advantage of um, different situations and Boston has a serious lack of depth right now they love their switchable wings um, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that too much needs to come back since a lot of what you're doing is eating that salary. And I think a lot of the idea around Sacramento right now is they need to get rid of one of Barnes or Heald in order to re-sign Holmes this offseason. Is that a priority um, for you guys? I've always loved, I told you this on every pod I've been on with you, I love Rashawn Holmes. Every time I watch him play, I'm like, I want that dude on my team. He just plays yeah. with so much energy. Yeah, I love Holmes. Um, I, I think Holmes is, you know, a top 15 sort of center in the league. And there's, 
sounds crazy, but there's a lot of fall off after, you know, 10, 12 sort of range. Yeah, I think that's, you could make an argument. Sure. Yeah. He's, I don't know if he's still there, but uh, he's definitely still hovering around top five in field goal percentage right now. Um, He's a really solid defender, shown some switchability. Um, So yes, I I really like Holmes. Um, I am in the minority. I will say that I don't think you need to like, Make it a priority. Excuse my dog squeaky toy in the background. Um, I don't I, think he, I was wondering when the dog was it going to be during Bagley? Was it going to be during the heel discussion? Yeah. No, he waited for Holmes. This is the only time she loves that toy, I swear. Um, Rashawn elicits, you know, really general, right. generous reactions. She does not agree with my Rashawn Holmes sake. <laughs> I don't think that it's like, you know, you have to, if, if the only way that you do it, say, is at the deadline, all of a sudden you only can resign Holmes if you are shipping off Harrison Barnes for absolutely no return. Then like, right. I, I just don't think you need to be desperate to reshine Holmes. I, I love the guy, yeah. um, but I think center is one of the most replaceable positions in the league. And I think that the reason that Sacramento fan base has trouble realizing that is because they've signed really bad backup center <laughs> all the time. They've had, I told you uh, we didn't need to talk about him on this podcast. We don't, yeah, we don't need to I, I wasn't even, yeah, no, they had Harry Giles before who Harry Giles, absolutely fan favorite. Love the guy. He is a horrible defender um, and was negative in most of his minutes out there. So I do think that there's like center center is pretty replaceable and Sacramento hasn't done a good job of replacing that, but you know, a, a new regime might be different. We're, we're kind of in that spot right now with, with Mitch. And I think the one thing everybody's kind of looking at right now is he, so he went out with a broken hand. Uh, was it been three games now? And, or as we're recording this, it's been three games and you know, the defense, they've played some, bad team. So you really can't judge. Um, but it's like, he's, they could make him a, um, a restricted free agent if they want to this off season. Um, or they could just let him play out his contract for $1.8 million next year. And it's like, you know, it, see what you can go get. It's, I don't know. I, I tend to, I'm, I'm, we love, like, I'm, I love Mitch, love Mitchell Robinson, but the value of the position is the value of the position. If you're not dealing with one of those, like, you know who guys yeah financially um, what sort of range are you at like where's your walking point where's my walking point yeah like um, annually i would have given him the the max that they could have given him this previous offseason which was roughly i think four for 52 or whereabouts okay. i would have, i would have happily given him that um yeah. because i feel like you could it have been an overpay could have come back to buy you sure but you're making an investment in a kid who I think is looking. This is going to sound so hokey. I think he wants a home. Guy's been through six agents. Like I think if you show it, that dude some love and be like, we are going to invest in you as a player. We're going to invest in you as a person. Like you are a Nick. You're a backbone of what we do here on defense. We're going to build our defense around you. Um, and I think he's actually had a good year. And yet at the same time, I almost wonder like, would I give that contract again? I think ultimately I would. Like, but 12, 13 is probably around. And that's a little high if I'm being honest. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's probably where I'm about, 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 for about 12. Yeah. 12, 13, it's yeah. about 12. Um, you know, I think like Tristan Thompson, Montrez Harrell each got like 9 million right now. And they went to completely different markets, you know, with LA and Boston. Um, but like, I, I think those are comparable ish players well we have um, Nerlens noel here who is not as good as mitchell robinson or or, or uh Rashawn holmes but he's a he's a serviceable center who could give you 
20 minutes a night of decent production. And if you have like, a, again, we're talking about the Knicks now, you have like a Randall who could spot some minutes at the five and it's like, right. you, you know, you fill in the, you know, and it's they one got homes for two years, 10. Exactly. There you go. So the, like these guys are out there. If you like Daniel Tice with Boston, you know, you know him. I mean, I know he's not perfect, but um, all right. Enough about uh, Rashawn Holmes. All the respect. I love Rashawn Holmes. He's great. I've managed to string this podcast along for a half an hour, and I have not yet asked a question about Tyrese Halliburton, um, <laughs> who I think we're on the same page about. I think he's going to be one of the best role players in the league for the next, I don't know, how old is he? 21? Yeah. So whatever, the next 10, 15 years? Or 21 in a couple days, I guess. I just, I don't know if it's just when I'm clicking on Kings games, but it feels like every time I turn on, it's like, oh, there he is making the exact right play. Not like a, an okay play, not like not making the wrong play, making the exact right play and being the exact right. And it's like the shots that he misses are like, I'm comfortable with that shot. You can take that shot 10 times out of 10. I'm fine with it. I don't care that it didn't go in. And by the way, a lot of shots are going in. Um, are you, are you like, do you think he's going to, where, where are you? Just talk to me about Tyrus Albert and I just, I'll, I'll give you the floor. <laughs> Yeah, the fan base is obviously enamored with Halliburton. I am too. I, I love high IQ players. And it's funny, I realized, I somehow only came to the realization yesterday that Sacramento has like nobody in between. They're either just like really high field players or they're just, you know, have no clue what's going on half the time they're out there. I'm not going to ask um, you to go down the roster and name who's who, but. Yeah, it's not fun. Uh, Halliburton is on the former. And, uh, Yes, uh, obviously. I, I think the the wording I've used for him is that he excels at capitalizing on an advantageous situation, but he's not going to be the player that creates the advantage. Um, okay. And, and that's where, you know, you kind of meet somewhat of a ceiling. And I will say the, the parts that have made me question his ceiling is some shot variance and making that I just completely did not expect. Um, is he still some, over 50 or is he, he's below 50 from he's three in at now? 49 from the field Jesus right now. Come yeah. On. Uh, 44% from three, okay. five attempts a game, 84% from the free throw line. Yeah. So, I mean, Hal Burton, and he does seem to have like slowed down a, a little bit. Um, but at the same time, like I said, he, he's not the person that you want in my mind, initiating the offense solely by himself and Fox really having uh, digressed a little bit recently. Um, I, I think is kind of why Halliburton is slowed down maybe a bit there. Um, and yeah, slowed down for him obviously is still like you're saying an absolutely elite role player. And I think, you know, some people are looking at him as a eventual all-star and I, I don't know that I'm quite there. Like I said, maybe the shot making um, is, is changing that. Um, I, I think, you know, maybe he could be, be a guy that sneaks into one or something like this. That's, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, if, if he's ever number one on your game plan, that that's a problem. Um, well, but he doesn't need to be number like he obviously wasn't number one on the Knicks game plan when we played each other. And right. um, he just kept making shot after shot and making play after play. And it is what it is. I mean, I'm I'm still on the let's wait for OB to play, you know, 30 NBA games and more than 12 minutes a game before we, we start going crazy. I actually, I liked what, what I've seen from Obi Toppin, which is might sound a little nuts, but he's shown enough flashes for me to be like, okay, well let's calm you, down. You know, you wish you had to Halbert, John. Well, it, would okay. I make the trade right now? Yeah. Any sane <laughs> person would make the trade right now. I, 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 I've already moved into the like, 
is this the type of thing we're is this is this Donovan Mitchell you know is this Frank over Donovan is this um you know or Bam if you want um or is this uh, Kevin Knox over Shea Gilders Alexander or mm-hmm. or I Marvin not Bagley I, over Luka Doncic you said it not me <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but I I think the fact that Halliburton's ceiling is what. Again, who knows? We shouldn't put a ceiling on the kid. He's, he's a rookie, but it seems to be what it is. And, and we've seen so little from top and it's why it's like, I'm not, I'm not anywhere there yet. Um, I want to ask you just a couple more and then uh, you've been great with your time. So I appreciate it. And then we'll get you out of here. Um, Nick fans will be mad at me if I do not at least ask the question. So I'm going to ask it, but I'm going to preface it by saying, I think it's a stupid question at this point. And it's a question about De'Aaron Fox. He j- literally just signed the extension. Um, and I think he made fun of the Knicks actively on Twitter on draft night because they fell in the draft. Um, so like, but Nick fans, again, I do this. So I can't say bad things about other people who do this because I've done this in the past, but like, Hmm, I wonder if that guy's going to want out of his situation in a couple of years. Like, is there any inkling of like, he's, well, we got to start winning soon. Otherwise, you know, Fox is going to start getting, or you guys just feel pretty good about where things are at. I don't think so. Um, I, I'm not worried about it. Um, you know, there's some people are because there and but I, I think the worst thing you could do is, you know, go win now. I, I think that if Fox sees what Halliburton has as, as a future, and I think that if, again, you add one more guy, um, if Fox is able to see the future plan of the team, that you're going to be totally fine. And, and I actually think Sacramento's future is not, it is a very few fixes away from being in a pretty good spot. Um, and Fox being the main guy there, um, he, he really wanted to go to Sacramento. Um, I, I get the impression that he is very much the leader of the team right now. You know, players are saying they're calling him over or he's having him at their house and in safe environments. Obviously, this is one of the few environments in the league where he gets to be a leader of a team. Um, so I think that's an aspect of it as well. And, you know, this being a poor year, I think, has allowed him to throw up a lot of threes and and really expand his game. So I I think he is using the downtime well. Um, And yeah, I, I, so I don't worry about it too much. I think we're probably two years off from that. If, if it's like, okay, there's no direction of this team. That's more than fair. Um, I'm trying to think Kuminga green for you guys. One of those guys, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll take Cunningham. I really, yeah. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> screw you. You have the Aaron Fox. Yeah. I, all right. You don't get Cunningham. I'm sorry. Um, I think, yes, Kuminga, um, definitely. I, I don't, I mean, obviously Jalen Green's great. I have Green higher than Kuminga at the current moment. I only have six guys on my board, by the way. Um, it's one more than I have. I, have, I don't know. Who's I like number. Green. Probably Keon, Keon Johnson's number six yeah, on my I, board, but yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I like green better than Kuminga, but I think that uh, you need a wing player on the Sacramento roster. Um, okay. uh, I don't think that, you know, having three skinnier or slimmer guys um, is really ideal for that team. That being said, I would absolutely love Jalen green on the roster. It'd be dynamic in, in the open court. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely Kuminga, um, Zaire Williams, Moses Moody is kind of 
God, where so, I, I lean a little bit. So I just I did a Jalen Johnson little breakdown yesterday, and I don't love it, oh, but he's possible. Every time I watch that guy, I'm like, I just I don't want any part of it. Zaire looks like he should be so Jalen Johnson. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't want any part of Jalen yeah. Johnson. Zaire interests me a lot. Zaire, Zaire someone's going to take that kid high. I don't even care what he does the rest mm-hmm. of this year. He just he looks too good. Um, okay, this is the last one. Um, you're they're playing each other. Um, give me your thirty second to a minute scouting report. What are you worried about coming into this game? I know your your mindset is a little bit different as a Kings uh, podcaster right now, but like, is it just like let's stop Randall and like let them figure out something else, another way to beat us, or is there anything else you're concerned about? Yeah, I mean, I. I'm going to be interested to see how Bagley has developed since their last showing um, because I I think he's become a little bit more disciplined and had a better uh, wider and further back stance and, you know, doing a lot of his work before the pass happens. So I'm going to be really interested to see how that development goes. And I think that's going to be really key. Um, But I I think staying out of foul trouble, um, you saw this issue last night and it's really common with Holmes and Bagley being really foul prone. Um, And really, I mean, I, I think that, De'Aaron Fox just needs to be in his mindset where, okay, I'm going to go out and get 30 and eight tonight Um, because I I think he can do that most nights if he decides to, but recently he's been a little checked out. Um, And yeah, I think that's a lot of what needs to go on on the offensive end of the floor. Like the offense needs to carry them is what it comes down to. They're the worst defense in the league. I I don't know if you've Um, heard, we have Alfred Payton on the roster. So you could take those notions of 30 and eight and just toss them (laughs) To the side of the road. Corey Joseph is locking down RJ Barrett, just so you know. So this Listen, goes both ways right here. RJ RJ got locked down um by Carl Anthony Towns, who is um, you know, not not quite the Kemi Matumbo, but uh, got a couple blocks on him. So RJ RJ's figuring some stuff out right now. It's okay. He's 20. It's okay. Um uh, not yeah. gonna not gonna speak ill of RJ on this podcast. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, I uh, yeah. Sorry, I don't have uh, all too much analysis on these games right now. I can't tell you I've been doing the most X's and O's. Okay, how this are we is... going to go in there and get a win tonight at this point? No, this is this is fantastic. This is exactly what I wanted because I just I'm just fascinated to hear about other situations in league, especially situations um, that are somewhat similar to I think where I mean, look, the Knicks may have more wins, but like you know, these situations are not different, and you guys have the better uh, young prospect in De'Aaron Fox, obviously. So um, can you just tell the folks at home uh, where they can find you and your stuff? Yeah, um, we share we share Blue Wire family. So uh, King's Pulse podcast over at Blue Wire. And then any writing is going on at uh, kingsherald.com. And I guess you could uh, check out my Twitter as well. It's at Brendan Nunes NBA. But uh, yeah, just a bunch of Sacramento Kings content. That's all I got going. I like reading the Kings content because it's one of the few things that can make me has historically has made me feel better about being a Nick fan. Cause nice. like, just go read some stuff about as I'm yeah. sure that is the case for you guys as well. Yeah, for sure. That has definitely been the case. Yeah. My, yeah. My best friends in media are probably, you know, Minnesota covers um, for good reason, <laughs> for good reason. So. Oh God. One day the pain will end. It might not be today or tomorrow, but one, one day. more draft, one more draft. That's what I tell myself <laughs> going into next get- year. I'm going to be like, this was a horrible draft. One more. If you get Cade, I'm going to be so pissed. Cause that's not going to be <sighs> fair. Cade and, and Fox together. That's sounds um, phenomenal. Cade or Mobley. Those are two. Yeah. 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 That would be good too. 
for you guys. Yeah, well, listen, keep losing games starting with Thursday night or continuing with Thursday night, as it were. Um, Brendan, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, everybody out there, thanks for checking out another episode of the Next Film School podcast. We'll be back with you with another one before you know it.